0: There's a struggle within us because we do not know how to be ourselves. We struggle to integrate those concepts of belonging. In other words, I'm saying belonging that I belong, you belong, we belong. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to Sundays with the Gathering. I'm Hannah Hunter, the Director of Digital Reach here at The Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. This week, Pastor Mike brings us a message on being yourself, being known, and walking in loving community. This is, I think, the the third part in this series of message called Be Yourself. And and I think it's so important to have a, a healthy understanding of what it means to just really be at home with ourselves, to be ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Now. We've talked about, you know, the importance of belonging because there's no way that we can truly be ourselves or have that freedom to say, you know what, this is me, all of it. I mean, I was late for church today because I couldn't find my shoes. That, that is exactly why I was late. I could not, I, I, I could not find my shoes and, and I just didn't know where they were. But you know what? we got to be okay to be able to laugh at ourselves. we got to be okay to, to cry over ourselves sometimes. And we have to be okay to know that when we let it down just a little bit, that people are not going to condemn us, beat us up, or judge us, but we're going to be accepted. And so belonging is a part of that. And, and what's rooted in this fundamental understanding of why be ourselves is so important and why we have to be a place where we can belong and allow ourselves to belong is because it's rooted in what we believe. And we talked about um, just where the our core identity and beliefs are rooted in in Scripture, and and we were a little bit heady, you know, like we, you know, we got a little bit technical on some stuff, and 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 it was good. But now I want to talk about taking it the next step, about integrating this whole concept of belonging and belief, and and we have to admit that sometimes there is a tension that exists. And but it's so needed, because I, I want to just acknowledge and, and, and share this in the room, that more and more I'm concerned about this big disconnect that, that I'm observing in our world today. And I'm talking about the disconnect between uh, followers of Jesus. And when I say followers of Jesus, I'm talking about mainstream Christians. I mean, the the public image of Christianity, what people talk about when they say that I'm a Christian, um, you know, all those things. I'm seeing a disconnect between followers of Jesus and what they say they believe and what they actually do. You know, why do we Christians get so weird you ever notice that like sometimes, I mean, I, I know some of us take it on as an identity, like, okay, you know, we have to be separate from the world, but why that we get so weird that we when? And, and this is just the kind of the test, you know, that, that I observe for myself, you know, because in my faithfulness or in my just striving to be faithful and obedient to God, do people actually see and value the good news of Jesus Christ you see, because that, that's why we're supposed to be separate, okay? That's why we're supposed to be a little bit different. And that's the good weird. That, that through the way people interact with us, the way we live and practice our faith, that people say, wow, there's something different about that person. They're, 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 they have a different kind of compass. And, and, that, and I can see that that is good and I value that. And, and we can see that, you know, in Jesus, you know, in his ministry, by what he did... By his actions, before he even had a chance to to teach, people were running to him. People were hungry just to get a touch, just to be in his presence, because they felt good around him. They felt accepted by him. It didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter what their political affiliation was with the Roman Empire. It didn't matter, matter what their social status was. They felt accepted and valued. And whether they, they were you know, just the, the hardcore Torah-believing Pharisee or whether they were the outsider who was in the practice of prostitution, they knew that they could come to Jesus and receive a genuine welcome and they could be accepted. But what I see in Jesus' ministry in life and what I see in this what is mainstream American Christianity, I believe something is out of touch because below the surface, people who are devout Christians, and I know a lot of devote, devoted Christians, um, many of us behave contrary to scriptural Christianity. We let gossip just run rampant. We allow bitterness and offenses to fester in our soul And we we allow these things to just go inside us instead of actually even talking to people that maybe offended us or, or maybe they said something and trying to find out what was behind those words. We just let it fester inside of us and we get bitter, we get angry. There is a lack of generosity and compassion in the church at large. In fact, there's such a, a lack of generosity and compassion that sometimes you know, we churches have to feel like you know, there is that business side of everything. We have to be good stewards of everything. But sometimes we place so much emphasis on trying to convince and trying to sell our product and get people to buy in and support instead of allowing the spirit of God to start transforming and moving in the heart and allowing God to give us a generous spirit to say, you know what, we believe in what God is doing. We believe that people need to be cared for well and this is worth my time. This is worth my energy. This is worth my money. This this is a priority in my life. There's a lack of generosity. And also, I think what, what feeds into this lack of generosity is that there's this general hypocrisy that happens. We get very judgmental toward a lot of people on the outside. we look at people, we look at what they wear, we look at what they say, we look at what they post on social media, we look at all these things, and we get very judgmental. And then also we have this layer of hypocrisy over us because you know what? Many of us live in the shadows. Because we're afraid that if we show our real selves... We are afraid of what people will respond, how, how will they react, how will, will we be really received. I mean, you know, if people really believed that, that, or knew that I believed this or did this, would I still be welcomed in this family? So why this be yourself message, I think, is, is integral to who we are at the gathering places, because you know what? I still believe that we, we, there's a gap. There's a struggle within us because we do not know how to be ourselves, we struggle to integrate those concepts of belonging. In other words, I'm saying belonging, that I belong, you belong, we belong. And we struggle to integrate that with what we say is our beliefs. And when I say beliefs, I'm talking about that, 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 that moral, that compass, the, the truth with a capital T. Believing that there's something that is greater than us. Believing that, that we do have a meaning and there is a purpose to this life. And instead of seeing this this um, belonging and belief as as something that's complementary, we put it at odds to one another. You know when I first became a christian, um, you know I mean Jesus just radically became a part of my life i mean i I, I, I could literally just explain to you and, and, and just a lot of detail about how Jesus took me from, the, from darkness to light. I mean, how my, my heart was open, how I, I felt forgiveness, how I felt loved and accepted, how I knew that I was a child of God, and you know what, and I didn't have to be afraid of God anymore, and that I could accept people. But that accept people came a lot, lot later, I must confess. All the other stuff, the benefits were, you know, more important. And, you know, because honestly, you know, it was a part of me that I was just afraid of going to go into hell. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was like driven in me. And I was like, whoo! I got this burden relief on me that, that, that I'm not afraid to go to hell. And there was a verse that, I, that I used to always say all the time when I'd get resistance and, and I would memorize this and I'd say, and it was in, you know, Romans chapter one, verse 16, I would say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And and so, whenever I would encounter somebody that had a different opinion to me, or every time I would encounter some kind of rejection, um, you know, I would just say, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ." And 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 so I got a little bit militant, got a little overzealous. But then God started asking me a question, and today. God still asks me this question and I have to answer it honestly. I remember like in my prayer life, I mean, I would hear God just whisper me and say, that's good that you're not ashamed of the gospel. Because again, the gospel's not our thing. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And this good news is the, the real power that saves, okay? And God used to say like, that's good. That's good, Mike, that you don't, you're not ashamed. But then the question would ask is, Are you bringing shame to the gospel? Are you dishonoring the gospel? Is your preaching more of a hindrance and stumbling block to people than letting them in? So let's get real honest. Okay. I I identify as a Christian Christian. A little Christ follower, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting my whole trust in Jesus Christ. You know, I, if someone asks me who is Jesus to you, I'm going to say Jesus. He's my Lord. He, he is my all. He, he is the, the, the most important one in my entire life. He's my standard, and also Jesus is my Savior because I believe that He died on the cross for my sin and the sin of the world, and I receive that gift. I, I'm a Christian. And many who are listening today are also probably identify as a Christian, like how in that way that I framed it. But here's the honesty part. The stuff that we see going on, the, the major disconnect, and we see it in, in, in the churches, we see it in our community, we see it in the society at large, in our nation, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Here's something that we have to really be honest while we identify as Christians, we are also part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. Okay? You decide whether you're part of the problem, but I'm just saying, I'm part of the problem. I'm owning this. And in some ways, and I'm going to use the hour because I think we, some of you are identifying with what I'm saying. Our actions and our words have caused a lot of harm. They have caused division, Everywhere. They have fed hate. And, and, and let's just start you know, defining like what some of this hate is. Like. Everyone's like, I don't hate anybody. But, but you know what? We feed sometimes. And it's like subconsciously sometimes, sometimes by our actions, we feed bigotry. We feed elitism. Sometimes our Christian faith just feeds us radical nationalism. It justifies Racism. being homophobic or anti-intellectual. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we get so, you know, afraid of everything that we're like, no, we can't think, we can't, you know, question. And what happens is sometimes the way we... Push forward the gospel. It actually sows these seeds of discord and distrust in society, and it actually undermines some of the established institutions and places that God has put in place to say, "You know what? These are the good things that, that build a good and healthy world." And and many people, and this is—you could just start going to the community. I mean, get out of our bubble. Talk to your relative that 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 is, you know, that doesn't want to go to church. Talk to your friend that says, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Here's what they're saying, if we really listen. Many people believe that Christians cannot be trusted. They believe that Christians cannot be trusted. And you know why they believe that the Christians cannot be trusted? Because there's a real disconnect in Jesus' teaching. And the way of Jesus, I mean, the way that, that we, we live out the way of Jesus, there's a, there's a real disconnect. And you know what? I just think about this, you know, let's just let's like back, take a step back. And what would happen if we would just like, don't even get into the, the Jesus claims. I mean, who Jesus says he is, but let's just get it, just, just start doing the way of Jesus. I guarantee the world would be a better place if we actually followed and lived the way Jesus modeled life. And, and people would say, you know what? Not only is Jesus trustworthy, but those people who follow Jesus, maybe they can be trusted too. I mean, this is hard because this, I'm telling you, I am guilty of this stuff. I've messed this up in every church that I've ever served in because I, 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 I got my priorities mixed up. I got, I got concerned about being popular, what people think, or about being right. Instead of about Jesus' mission. John chapter 8. We talked about this last week. John chapter 8 verses 31 to 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. And we can extend it to now. Jesus saying that to everybody who believes in him. If you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed. You know, if you continue in my word, then you really are my followers. You're you're, you're part of the way. You're part of this, this training practice. You're part of a new way of being. He says, you are truly my disciples if you continue in my word. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So... We know this. This is not the first time you ever heard this in church. If anybody has been following Jesus and reading Jesus' teachings and hearing preaching, they, this is all new. But, but in our modern approach to faith, we are departing from the way of Jesus. Because what's happening in our modern approach to faith, we get more concerned about memorizing dogma. In other words, you know, Christian doctrine and precepts and, 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 and who is right and all these kind of things. And we get real focused on, you know, knowing the right things and saying the right things and policing people to make sure they're doing the right things. And I was taught this, okay? This is how I was taught. Because I was more concerned about, you know, having an agreement of our confession of faith, having the right statement of faith. But what does it really mean to abide in Jesus' teaching Living it out. I mean, the literal word abide means to live into it, right? How do we live into it so that we can experience what Jesus promised, that you will not only know the truth, because sometimes we, we get stuck on, oh, I know the truth. I know it. I got that secret. I got that mystery. I know what's right. You know, if, you, if, if, if I could tell you where you don't have the truth. I have no problem telling that. that. But, but Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say we're going to be policemen. Jesus didn't say that we're going to be these doctrinal teachers and all that kind of stuff. In fact, he warned us to get away from those titles and positions of power, but Jesus said this, you know, I mean, he said, that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So how do we get to this real freedom? I think that there, there needs to be a shift from just under, our understanding as a Western person is that being a Christian is like collecting all this information, <laughs> It's just like we're like collectors. We just collect information, and and we read the Bible, and we memorize scriptures, and we just collect, collect, collect. And And we're more concerned about saying the right things and less concerned about a transformed life. So this week in a lot of my studies, I had a lot of rabbi talk because I, I was really wrestling this. And sometimes, you know, you got to go east to bring it back to west. And, and so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going in there and I'm, and I'm digging. And, and, and one of the rabbis shared with me, he said, you know, Mike, we have this same problem. And he said, in fact, um, there's a saying, you know, one time there were these two rabbis that were together. And one started boasting and saying, you know what? I read through the Bible 400 times. I read through the Bible 400 times, this rabbi says to one rabbi. And I wonder, like, how many times have you read through the Bible? And I started counting, and myself, I started doing the, the intellectual gymnastics and started thinking about my devotions and how I do my quiet time and all that. But then the other rabbi said, You know, you read, you read, the, the, read through the Bible 400 times. That's great. But how many times have you allowed the Bible to read through you? And I was like, Dang. You know. <laughs> James, chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Listen up to these words. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Okay? Now, I know, Don't, don't try not to jump, okay? Because I, I get it. I, I mean, I, when I read this stuff, like, my head goes all these different places. But, but try to just absorb this. Take this in. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any, any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. Remember, we're talking about being ourselves. Okay, so there's a connection with doing what the word or what the scripture teaches to seeing ourselves. They're like those who look at themselves in a the mirror, for they look at themselves and then on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who looked into the perfect law, the law of liberty, persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. They will be blessed in what they do. So this being yourself is this constant looking at yourself in this self-examination and holding together the Jesus way in your life. Now, a lot of times, when, when, again, where my head started going, being doers of the word, you know, man, I started like, you know, I got to underline my Bible. I got to make sure I got the highlights. I got to pull out all the text and, and all those things. But, but let's look at the, the early church as an example. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 42. So this is, this is after like, the moment of that day of Pentecost and, the, you know, and, and all these people start coming to know of Christ. This is those who welcomed his message. So this is like after Peter gives this big explanation. Okay, And I want us to pattern our faith after this. Okay, I don't care how you got into the church or what you were taught. Let's go back to a scriptural Christianity. Okay, Let's just try it for a moment. Those who welcomed this message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were at it. Now, here's the characteristic of those who were doers of these words. Okay, this is just one part of it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, the apostles' teaching was the teachings of Jesus. Okay, that's all they had. They had the sayings of Jesus, and they just repeated the sayings of Jesus over and over again, and they integrated the sayings of Jesus with their their former religious life or their former life, but they, they, they... Devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, some people do this. They devote themselves to the, the apostles' teachings, and they, and, and they do this. But it says, and to fellowship. And I'm not talking about fellowship of like the church dinner. I'm talking about a real fellowship where you can actually bear your soul. You know, like show what's, what's, the, what's hiding in the junk drawer and what's in those closets and, and that bedroom that we stash all our junk in that we don't want anybody to come into. And there's some of those cabinets, you know, fellowship means that you let people in and your house can be a total train wreck. But because you know that there's a relationship, except it's not the, it's not the kind of house guests where like, oh, I got to clean up and tidy everything up and, and put everything in its place and all that stuff and make sure everything, it's not that kind of fellowship. It's talking about like, like being known, real life, fellowship, the breaking of bread, eating together, but also celebrating the Lord's Supper. That is definitely implied here. And the prayers verse 46 and 47 and if we move on it says day by day this was a regular thing it wasn't a quarterly activity day by day as they spent much time together in the temple which is public so they did this public they and they broke bread at home and there was a small group so they, they made this a practice, okay? So what, what happens to a lot of us is, first of all, like, you know, we don't even do any of this stuff. You know, like, we, we make a profession of faith. We, we, we sign up something digitally. We say I'm a follower of Jesus. We, we, we get on all these kind of lists. We get on cool websites. We, we download a bunch of apps. You know what I mean? We, we watch videos. We do all this stuff. But this is not what they did. Day by day... As they spent much time together. I love that. It says that they spent a lot of time together. They broke bread at the home and in the temple. And they ate their food. And this is the fruit of this. Okay, This is like to see if it really sticks. They ate their food together with glad and generous hearts. So the result of following Jesus. And we are around Jesus' people. And I hate to say result because it's not a transactional thing, but, but this is what happens, okay? When you, when you allow yourself to get planted in this, you, your heart becomes happy. You're happy. <laughs> what a novel thing, you know, just to enjoy life and, and just be happy. Be happy to be living where you are, be happy about work, be happy about your family. Be happy and seeing those little blessings that are happening in our community. Be happy with your children and having a generous heart. So in other words, that you're not like a hoarder now. We don't have to twist your arm. I don't have to give you a, a guilty uh, message to make you start tithing or, or do a QR code. or that Because you know what? Generosity is just a part of you. You know, we believe that everything we have belongs to God. We want to be good stewards of this. And you know what? When there's a need in our community, we want to step up. We want to show up, you know. We want to be there. Generous hearts, praising God. We usually get that one. We're all like praise God, praise God. So I think like that one we that's like uniform. We do that one great. And having goodwill with all people. In other words, there's like bridges that are built with all kinds of people. Not walls. Not being torn up and all that stuff. Bridges are built. This is the fruit of this kind of life. Okay. So that's Acts chapter two, verses 46 to 47. Meditate on that. Dwell on that. Look at that as your practice. Okay. Cause this is the abiding in Jesus thing. This is actually doing what he says. This is what it means to look in the mirror and not forget who you really are. Okay. So I want to ask you a question. Let's go back to school. I know some of you don't want to go back to school. Some might be in school right now, but You know, in school, we always have these two types of works. You know, you have the group project, and you have the independent project, right? The independent work. And and I want to ask you, are you more of a group work person, or are you more of an independent project person? Who likes groups? Who likes group work? All right, who likes just the independent project and all that? Okay, you know... (laughs) I, I, I lean, honestly, like my default is in the independent project, okay? You know, because sometimes it's like, you know, it's just faster to do it myself. This is what I used to tell myself. It's, you know, um, I hate group work too because there's always that person or sometimes you get put in a group where they're not prepared. They didn't do what they're supposed to. They had no vision. They didn't do the homework. Then they say they're going to do this. They overpromise and they underdeliver. And I'm like, and then it ends up being more work to me. And it should have just been an independent project to begin with. But in Jesus' life, we're meant to do it together. And, and, and I, and I want to push the limits of what it means to really have fellowship and do it together. Because you know what? We, we Christians can come together a lot, and we can talk a lot of Bible stuff, and never really get into what's going on with our lives. And we can never really talk about our souls or what's happening. And you know what? There's this great deception right now in the church because we place so much emphasis on independent study and and watching our YouTube videos and listening to our podcasts and all that stuff. And we judge people all the time in our isolation. And we really don't know anybody at all. And if we're really honest People don't know us either. People don't know us. You're hiding. And I know it feels safe sometimes to stay in the dark and to hide and not show the weakness and not show the brokenness, but but that's not Jesus' way. When I first came to faith and started actively trying to respond to Jesus' call upon my life, I got... Before I started going to church, I went to a home Bible study. And it was this couple called Dottie and Ed. And Dottie and Ed, they were weird, okay? I'm going to say they, they, they were weird. And, and, and they had a funny relationship where, I mean, they, they were not like anything of ideal Christian at all on some things. And if Dottie's listening to this or Ed, you know it's true. Um, but anyways, um, so but one thing that they did was they had this place where in our studies, in our Bible study, we could go all in, and we could ask questions, and they would ask questions, and they didn't have all the answers, and we would say, what do you think that means? So we'd look things up, and then we would talk about our lives, and we'd pray together, and you know what? We wrestled with scripture. We, we, we supported one another. We prayed for one another. Sometimes we had things we didn't know what to do with, and then we went back to, they went back to their pastor to try to get the right answer, and then sometimes they didn't agree with the answer, and you know, and we just constantly just did this life together, and I want to tell you something. <sighs> Jesus was changing my life through that. Because one thing that that I love about Dottie and Ed is that no matter how messed up things were in my life at that point, I had a place with them. I felt, you know, just welcomed in their home. And I felt so welcomed that I felt like I could bring anybody, any of my crazy friends there and they they welcomed them. You see, the, the modern Western way of approaching faith today is mostly in isolation. And it's not working. Now I get it. We're, you know, we have limited time, we're over and I don't wanna add another thing to your plate, okay? I, I, don't, I don't wanna do this, but but I wanna ask you something. If what I'm saying to you is true, then then that means that you have to make some decisions to create some margins or some space for this kind of life so that you can grow and actually so you can thrive. And I get it, okay? I've been hurt a lot by church people, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm leery of church people because I know what we, we're capable of. But also, I'm very optimistic of church people, too, because I know what we're capable of in Jesus Christ and how something beautiful can happen. And yes, there, it is risky. And you know what? You, you might say, you know what? The risk is too great, and I'm going to stay in the shadows. But the gains are exponential. I mean, it is incredible about what can happen. 2 Timothy, you've heard this before, but we're going to read it again. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. You heard it last week, or you can hear it from last week's message. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. If you read that at face value, at least what I see is that you cannot engage the scripture as being this inspired word of God in isolation. You can't do it. Like, like how can, like, are we just like correcting ourselves, you know? Are we, like, like, who's teaching who? You know what I mean? Like, the teaching has to be an engagement. It has to be a talking. So if your Christianity is this, this personal Bible study and nothing more, you're missing out. Because we, we need that training. We need that correction. We need that, that to be proficient and and in and, and, and alignment of our lives. We need this stuff so we can be equipped for every good work. There's this mutual equipping that happens. You see, like teamwork is like embedded in the human story. It's part of our DNA. And and it's and and, and we can see for the very beginning of life we're not meant to be doing life alone. That's why God gave us family. And sometimes we wonder, like, God, why did he get my family? I don't even like my family, or my family's so different. But God still gave us family to show us that, you know what, even in, in, in the same household, you could have people that have very different opinions, but you still need to love each other. And you still need to accept each other. I mean, this is this, this root in our DNA. I mean, and yeah, maybe sometimes you don't like each other, but you still love each other. You're still for them. And even though, like, you know, no matter what you do, you can't divorce yourself from that. Life's not meant to be living alone. I mean, we, God gave us family. God gave us friends. God gave us social institutions like school, work, and clubs, and organizations. Even our popular stories. I mean, look at the, po- okay, I'm a comic book guy, all right? You know, you know, if you look at the story of the Avengers, okay? I lean more Marvel comics, but look at the Avengers, okay? The Avengers is, is this group of superheroes, and, and the whole concept of the Avengers is, Avengers is that one team is better than the one. A team of superheroes is better than one superhero doing life alone. Okay, DC comic guys, there's the Justice League. Same thing. You know what I mean? Even those who have Superman and all that stuff, and Superman and Batman, you still need the Justice League. You still need Wonder Woman. You still need Aquaman, The Flash, all those guys. You know, if you want to go in sci-fi, I mean, Star Trek is all about the team, okay? Okay. You know, then you look at all the news, the Star Wars spinoffs, you know, Mandalorian, you know, all the different little Mandalorian tribes and all that. They're like, we're better together. You know what I mean? They, they all do that. Connor helped me identify that. You know, he's like, and then he did a spoiler alert on it. And one thing that we also realized in all this is this, that COVID also taught us a lot about this because COVID showed us the effects of what happens when connections break down like personal connections, interactions, the emotional and physical connections. So going back to my studies with some of my rabbi friends this week, they were sharing with me some of the, the tensions that happen even in Judaism. And, he said, and one person said to me, he's like, you know, Mike, libraries are anti-Jewish. And I was like, how the heck are libraries anti-Jewish? And he says, because in libraries... Everyone reads quietly to themselves. And I know this is a fact in Palm Beach Gardens Library because I've been shushed a lot of times with meeting with people there. No lie, you know. But in the Jewish concept, this, this Beit Midrash, and then they have the, the, the Jewish kind of seminaries or, or, or learning institutions, the, the yeshiva. Learning is done out loud. And he started showing me these video clips of what the yeshiva looks like and, and what this learning... So this is not for like, like pastors or, or rabbis. This is just for a person that wants to go deeper in their faith. What they would do is that they go and they meet in big rooms like this and, and except they have tables. And there's all this discussion and debate pushing back and forth and they're talking and it's regular people reading the Bible, Holy Scriptures, with other regular people, and they're trying to find meaning out of it. And they're trying to understand. And they're saying, well, I think it means this. And, and my tradition taught me that. But then this word means this. And they're going back and forth. And then they have like the religious leaders. In, in modern day, they have like rabbis that are kind of like proctoring the room, walking around. And so if, if they get in such a heated discussion about, one, about something, they raise their hand. And a rabbi comes in like, hey, rabbi, you know, you know could, could you help us figure this out? But what, what, what I saw was that there was this lively interaction. There was this lively engagement. There was this lively discussion. You know, because they were, they were engaged to struggle with the Torah, to test the Torah, to see what's happening in real life today, and how does it um, equate with what Moses taught. And, and they pushed, and they struggled, and they have different opinions, but they're united in faith. Man, we lack that in Christianity today man i mean like our thing our version of bible study is like let's just do a book together and don't and and, and just ask the study questions but what if we say this is a bunch of junk and i don't agree with it or this is hard or i don't understand it we don't have much space for that and and you know what what's so crazy about this is that this is the environment that jesus grew up in when he was learning scriptures as a little boy this is the environment that the early church understood about what does practicing the faith look like. It wasn't meant to just, I mean, in this in this arc right here, the Torah is kept. The real, I mean, I mean, I mean the, the scrolls. And so, you know, what they're demonstrating to us is that you know what they didn't have access to Gutenberg's printing press. Nobody had their own personal edition of the Torah to be read around. It was expensive, it was big. It's hard to carry around. And so that means that it has to be done together and do away with all this independent study kind of stuff and say, you know what? We got to do it together. We got to pull the scriptures out on one table and all come together at one table and we got to engage. We got to talk about it. We got to eat over it. We got to spill some coffee over this stuff and and we got to find truth together. That's what it looks like. You know, in American church history, um, You know, like for for ages, the Christian church had a very robust and holistic understanding of what faith was. You know, I mean, there was the prayer, there was intercessory prayer, there was this robust study, but like, you know, one of the big influences of American Christianity, you know, was the Puritan movement and it especially affected like evangelical American Christianity. And there's there's a pastor by the name of Greg Johnson and he did this this dissertation about um, from morning watch to quiet time. And he traces this back to the 1870s. A shift happened in the 1870s because you know what the, the, the Puritan used to have all this like communal action and then they started moving to just saying okay we got to do like you know like private prayer and private Bible study and and they would call it the then it started shifting to like the morning watch in the 1870s and then they started saying you know we got to get rid of the the, the the whole intercessory prayer and group stuff and they started just doing the quiet time and you know what happens in, in like mainstream Christianity today is that we put so much emphasis on the quiet time and I'm not saying to to diminish the quiet time, but I want you to know that there's a time to be quiet and there's a time to be loud. There's a time to wrestle. There's a time to engage. There's a time to ask the questions. There's a time to allow the trust that God is speaking when your neighbor who has a totally different opinion, that's a part of a totally different political party than you, that, that your neighbor that, that has a totally different translation of the Bible than you, when they start saying, this is what I believe Jesus is saying, you know what? Jesus might actually be talking and we need to listen I get it you're overscheduled I get it you're like I don't have enough time to add another thing but you know what we got to break free from this isolation doing life alone you know we're living life and you know what we don't have like a real good support system we don't have it we don't know what real friendships is you know we're comfortable with having our divisions and labeling people but we're not comfortable really coming to the table You see, this whole be yourself thing, it only works when you're in it because you're created in the image of God. And if you look around, there's a little bit of Jesus in all of us. And we need to identify, claim it, and name it in all of us. We can't just sit and just, you know, ignore it in the room anymore. It needs to be taught. We need to be engaged with scriptures, but we also have to be engaged in each other's life. And this is an ongoing process. And so why this is important for the gathering place, this underlining principle of how to fuse belonging and believing together, is because this will empower you to to do life with other people outside of church in a good way. It's actually good for your soul to do this. It will feel good. You, I mean, you will be happier, I'm telling you. You'll have more peace. And this is essential for us in terms of fulfilling what we believe God has called us to do as a church, which is to extend God's redeeming love. This is essential for our community. This is essential for the world. Because you know what? Not only do we struggle this with this, but a lot of people struggle with how to be themselves and to value the contribution of others. Let's face it, you know, we get very tribal and divided. And, and you know what, the crazy thing is that God, when he was making all this world and, and, and we're all uniquely made and we have these unique abilities and inspirations, God knew all this, different languages, all those things. And if God is the author of all this, then therefore it must be, must be able to be fused together. I want to tell you how this changed my life later on. I was part of a, a men's group in South Florida, and we, did, and we decided to do life together. And we did it in Panera Bread, no surprise, right? But they didn't have the, the cool deal that they have now with the, the unlimited sips. And so anyways, we started just doing what my friends said about, like, wrestling with the scriptures, study together, doing all this stuff. And then some people around us started joining the group. They, they watched it because some people had friends that worked in the community that were doing breakfast. So all of a sudden, it was not from one church; it was many churches. But there was this Christian guys doing this kind of life together. And something happened in that group. It really took. We actually cared about each other, and we went through all kinds of things together: cancer, death of a spouse children that did some crazy things, divorce, and then sickness. This group didn't need a pastor to run it. Yes, it was star- I was started with them, but they, they just did this life together, and they supported one another. And, and I visited them last year because, you know what, they've been, they've been meeting since 2012, and they're still meeting every week. They're very, very busy people. They're, I mean, they're, they're all very busy working professions, and, and they meet at 6 a.m., because that's when they have the time to do it. But one guy in the group um, developed Parkinson's, and he got it really bad. And his wife became his, like, primary caregiver, and she didn't want him to miss the group. He didn't want to miss the group, even though it started affecting even his speech and everything. And so it got to the point where the group, when they would meet, like his wife would bring them to Panera Bread, drive up. And the men would pick them up and carry them into Panera Bread so they could be together. When I I saw these guys, they said, Pastor Mike, this week we're not meeting at Panera Bread because Bruce is not doing well he said, so, and it got harder for his wife and, you know, he, he needs to be home. But we can't leave Bruce behind. And so once a week or once a month, they move the whole group to Bruce's house. And they bring breakfast with them. And <laughs> this is what real fellowship looks like. These guys are all rooted in their their local church, but they're rooted in each other's lives too. Now, Now, let's take a step back and think about where you are. I crave this. I crave it for me, but I crave it for you and everyone who is listening because this is the real stuff. And this is what's so valuable. So I want you to take a moment And to think about what is your next faithful step. Don't just be a hearer of this word. But what will you do? Maybe a class is what it is. Maybe it's just to say, hey, you know, that person's been trying to call me for coffee all the time. And and I've just been dodging them. Or maybe I see somebody and I'm like, yeah, I should call them or I should meet up with them. And maybe it's time to do that. So assuming that you are still here and you're still listening, let's be honest, and I'm making some assumptions here, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I believe there's something about what we do at the gathering place that speaks to you. Because this is a place to belong and believe in something that's bigger than yourself, it's bigger than us, and I want you to know that the real you is needed, and there's a space that is needed to have non-judgmental conversations where diverse people with diverse opinions can can be together, where where different ideologies can come together, where we can be vulnerable, where we can take action on things that matter, where we can practice forgiveness and, and more important, practice listening to one another, where we can heal, learn, learn, where we can learn how to actually apologize when we screwed up, make a bridge, and then also be accountable for our actions. Because these are important things to have with vital relationships. And we need this. We need family. We need friends. We need to have a place where the stranger is known and also welcomed. And 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 people know that when they come through the doors, we're not trying to fix you. But we, we really love and accept you because Jesus really loves you, accept you, and there's no strings attached. It's not gonna be perfect. We're gonna mess it up a lot. But if we keep the standard and keep Jesus to the focus, I mean, this is what I believe of how we live into that mission to extend God's redeeming love. This is what leads to transformation. And transformation is only possible and it's only rooted in Jesus. And it's creating a space for God to move. It's creating a place for God to be God because God can do what we can't do for ourselves. So God will fill in the gap. We invite God's grace into the space. And this is what God is calling the gathering place to become. All of this. And you know what? We need each other. We need God. Let us pray. Gracious God, my prayer is that today we heard your heart and also. that we looked inside our hearts. I thank you that with you there's no shame, there's no condemnation, but there's just a welcome, a welcome to be ourselves, to be who you created us to be. So Lord, talk to us right now. Show us a very specific Next faithful step to connect this Sunday's faith with Monday's work and everything else that happens after this moment. We don't want to be like that person that James said that looks in the mirror and admires ourselves and then forgets who we are. God, help us to be doers. In Jesus' name. Hey, beautiful people, this is Hannah Hunter, I'm the director of Digital Reach here at The Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us this week. We love getting to share our journey in Christ and community with you. And if you're in the Palm Beach area, we'd love to get to connect with you in person at our Sunday worship service at 10 a.m. For more information about our community and faith, check out our website at thegatheringplacefl.org. Thanks for listening.